frequency of heaven I want to be. Good morning and welcome to the Frequency of Heaven podcast. <laughs> this is Pastor Kayla Plum and uh, pray you're having a good day. This is Thursday. Getting to my podcast a little late this week. I've had... I've had friends. I've had friends who have stopped by unexpectedly and um, friends who have texted me different things, uh, some from Iowa. So anyway, it's just been, there's been extra stuff this week. It's been good. And I actually had this podcast all written out, typed out, prayed out um, on Tuesday. But you know what? I didn't, right when I was getting ready to go, Bruno from Brazil showed up unexpectedly in my office. And so we spent about three hours together. And so I didn't get to it then. But here we are. I want to call this confidence in the Lord. Now, it's a very simple topic for the day, but we're, let's pray and let's get into this. Heavenly Father, you declare over us in 1 Peter 2 9 that we are chosen people, a holy priesthood, royal priesthood, a holy nation, your own special possession. You decree and declare that we are blood bought, spirit filled, and that we are part of your holy saints, that we have an eternal home with you. It says in Psalm 16, 5, that our lot is secure. Nobody can touch it. So God, we we know these are truths, but God, sometimes we struggle to have confidence in the things in the way we need to. And so Lord, we just pray that you would give us a boldness. And Lord, like those in Acts chapter four who, who needed confidence and boldness, they prayed and they asked for bold preaching of the gospel accompanied by signs and wonders and the ground shook. God, would you let the ground shake around us and, and, and fill us with your Holy Spirit to have confidence to do whatever we need to do. You know, um, confidence is a huge thing. If you think about confidence, you can go back into your life. I, I literally got a text message right before I started record here. I got a text message from another friend in a different state. Caleb, could you pray for my daughter today? They are trying to stand up for something that's right, and they're concerned about how some of their friends are going to react. I mean, I literally, I'm, I'm about to start recording on confidence, and I get this text message. I mean, it's it's... It's all around us. And in this, today, this, this day, this week, you and I have all had situations where we weren't sure to, what to do. Fear, insecurity, uh, could be with friends, with what someone's going to think, with, with finances, with um, a meeting we have to have, with, with something God's put on our heart. We know God's told us to do something and we're scared to do it. Confidence from the Lord. He, now, I want I want you to think about the Heavenly Father from my father's position, right? Have you ever had a child? Maybe your child, maybe a kid you were watching or babysitting, whatever. And you could see that from your parental type perspective, this child was big enough and strong enough to do something, but they were nervous. The only thing blocking them, they didn't have confidence. The Lord wants to give you confidence. Think about when it says in Hebrews 4, boldly approach the throne of grace. Why would the Hebrew writer tell you to pray boldly approaching the throne of grace? He, confident. Go to the confident God with confidence. He sees you, that you're a big deal in his kingdom. But confidence doesn't come from us. Real spiritual confidence, it comes from him. That's what we're going to talk about today. But he wants us to remember who we are. 
I, I can't remember if I shared this before or not, but I had a group of people I prayed with up in Iowa, and I only saw this group maybe three or four times a year. And they all just thought I was this this great pastor. They didn't really know me. <laughs> but whenever I'd get around them, they just, you could tell they believed in me and they liked me. And it, it, they gave me confidence. You ever, been, you ever had a friend that gave you confidence? God is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You know, when Peter had messed up and denied knowing Jesus, what did Jesus do? He showed up on the shore of Galilee, John 21, and he rebuilt his confidence. That's exactly what Jesus did. That's exactly who Jesus is. When, Mary, when In John 20, when Mary Magdalene was trying to find Jesus and she lost all her confidence, lost all her hope, and Jesus says, Mary, he said her name, got her to look at him. He restored her confidence in him. I had a friend one time, I remember he had been going through some rough stuff and many different things had not worked out. This is where we lose our confidence. You know, you try, you get up with some courage and you try something, doesn't work out. Okay, okay, I'll try it. And you try, it doesn't work out. Eventually you get gun shy and you begin to lose your confidence. And this man had had several things happen in his life. And he told me, you know, Cube, I, I just don't feel very confident. I'm used to, you know, he's a very athletic young man. He's my age, lives um, out in Washington now. But very athletic, very good at, you know, just about everything he ever did. But it just had a bad string of things not working out. And he, he used that phrase, I've lost my confidence. And it's easy to do. But the mo- I didn't say this to him because I just felt like I was supposed to listen. But the moment he said that, there's something, something stirred in me. That like, you know what? I think maybe he has had his confidence in himself rather than the Lord. And... My actually, my gut instinct, and maybe I should have said it. Maybe I should have been more confident. I I didn't want to hurt his feelings, and I could tell he was hurting, so I didn't say it. But I kind of wanted to say, "Good, good. You have lost confidence in you. That's good, because the ending of us is can be the beginning of the Lord. We need to learn." not to stand in our strength. It says in Ephesians 6.10, right before the full armor of God, it says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. So sometimes our confidence does get shaken. Our confidence does get rocked to teach us, to teach us to stand in God's confidence. Now here's an oldie but a goodie. We we love this one. We've been there many times. Jeremiah 17.7, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. See, when you trust in Him, not you, not me, whose confidence is in him. And you know, this is such a thing. And I, you know, I got this message. I got it real strong on Tuesday. And so I don't know. I, I don't, I, I, this is probably for someone because I don't necessarily know of anything I'm going through in my life at, at this moment. But you know, we all need more confidence in sharing our faith. Why don't you go up to people and tell them about Jesus, ask you to pray for them? Because we, we sometimes we're scared of rejection. We, we lack that Acts chapter four boldness. They were being threatened to be arrested. And yet they say, no, we got to keep telling people. And here in America, very few of us lack um, confidence to share a faith like we should. But who here has the threat of being arrested? None of us. It's just the threat of rejection. And so they were in a much more dire situation. The consequences, the stakes were higher. and uh, But they prayed for confidence and God gave it to them. The ground shook and they got up and did some preaching. 
And so I said, Lord, you know, if this is what you want me talking about, show me what you want me to say. And so I, I felt, I was thinking about several different passages. I was like, I felt like the Lord says, let's go back. You know, we're in uh, Jeremiah 17. Let's go to 1 Samuel 17. If there's ever a story about confidence, it's David and Goliath. All right. It's an oldie, but a goodie. Maybe we'll get something new. Come Holy Spirit, please help our eyes and hearts to catch something maybe we hadn't thought of before. All right. This is 1 Samuel 17, verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Succoth in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Damon between Succoth and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between. I was literally listening to a a Bible teacher in Israel who teaches Bible geography uh, a couple months ago. And he was talking about this very, these three verses. And you know, we read those first three verses. Do you know where uh, Succoth in Judah is? Do you know where Ephens Damon is? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, this doesn't, you just read it and keep going, right? But he said, if you pull out a map from David's day and you draw up what's going on, this situation is much more important than you realize. One of the last major defensive, good defensive positions for Saul and his army to protect God's people is right where they are. The Philistines have pushed inland, pushed inland, pushed inland. And now we're down to one of the final places to make a good stand before they could get to Jerusalem. Now he laid it out on a map and he showed it. And I never knew this before. This isn't just a battle. This is a strategic battle. You know, it's like the last line of defense is the way that this Bible geographer was explaining this, that we need to understand somebody better step up and take care of the Philistines or they're going to they're going to go deeper and further and do more damage than they've ever done. And God's people are going to be in a bad, bad situation The time to draw a line in the sand and the time to find your confidence. It might be now or never. Verse four, a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits in a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale of armor of bronze, weighing 5,000 shekels on his legs. He wore bronze greaves and bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bear went ahead of him. Now, you need to get the picture here that Goliath, by sight, in stature, is impressive. This is what we're going to talk about today. David is going to come against Goliath and he's not going to draw attention to how big, how good looking, how good of a slingshot guy he is. He's not going to, when he goes to talk trash, mention anything about the physical. He's going to declare the spiritual. There's a physical dimension. You know, Jack was just talking about this in his communion message. And there's a spiritual dimension. The reason Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords is because he has won every battle that's in the spiritual dimension. So let's let's keep that in mind. Verse 8. 
Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up? Why don't you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? You know, easy for him to say. He's like twice as big as these guys. <laughs> Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man. And let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. You know, the devil always wants to bring fear. Fear is for paralysis. If he can shut you down and keep you quiet, keep you on the binge, keep you afraid, you will not fulfill your destiny. And what Jesus say? Pray for his kingdom to come, his will to be done on earth. Christian, God wants to put his confidence in you. Because when the Father looks at from heaven, it's like that that eight-year-old kid who the dad can so clearly tell they can ride this bike. They can ride this bike. We don't need the training wheels. But the, the eight-year-old's like, no, no, don't take him off. Don't take him off. I, I'm, I'm nervous. I'll fall. And the dad's like, you will be able to ride faster and freer and you'll have way more fun if you let me know. I don't want to fall. And the, da the dad's already taught his other three kids how to ride a bike. He knows this fourth kid can ride this bike. They just lack confidence. That's how the Heavenly Father is. The Heavenly Father sees from heaven what you can and what you can't do. And he even knows sometimes you will fall and scrape your knee, but he'll heal it. And that's part of the process. But without confidence, and it's not confidence from us, it's in the strength of his might, Ephesians 6.10, that we stand in these things. So David said to the Philistines, you come, you know, now jump down to verse 41. Now let's look at, now this is after, you know, David has a little squabble with his brothers. David tries on Saul's armor and all those things. But so David goes down to the brook and gets several stones. And then he's going to run out against the Philistine with his slingshot. But he's going out trash talking a little bit here. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Meanwhile, the Philistines with his shield bear in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more, uh, little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome and despised him. Do you notice again what is the Philistine's issue? He is focused on the physical. He's focused on how big he is and on how small David is. Now listen, beloved. One of the quickest and easiest ways for the devil to get us out of our confidence is to get us focused on the physical. What's that person saying? What's the bank account saying? What's the situation saying? Oh, oh, forget all that. What's God saying? You know, it says in John 16, 13, the Holy Spirit will guide you in all truth. It says in John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. He, the good shepherd wants to take you, yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You fear no evil. David would write that. I don't know if he wrote that Psalm 23 before or after this, maybe after. <laughs> but the thing is here, he's coming out and this is what David's going to notice. David doesn't focus on the natural. Now we need to be aware of the natural. We need to understand that the natural operates. You know, David, you know, if, if, if Goliath is completely covered in every square inch uh, with some kind of protection, maybe a slingshot wouldn't have worked. But David sees, okay, there's a little hole in his, his armor here. I got a slingshot. The physical can work if the spiritual is right. Watch this, watch this, watch this. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? He's still talking trash. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Notice little G, love it. Verse 43, it's little G. 
<laughs> Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. Now, maybe David was a good boy that didn't ever talk trash, but boy, the battles got him stirred up. Goliath got him stirred up. Now he's going to lay into him. David said to the Philistine, verse 45, you come, you come, you coming to me? You come against me with sword and spirit and javelin? Great. I'm glad you got those physical weapons, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel. You know, and he he doesn't, you know, need anything else. <laughs> he's got Almighty God, the most powerful God, big G, and he's got his name. And I want to tell you right now, when it comes to warfare, now let's go to 2 Corinthians because Paul's going to talk about this spiritual versus the carnal or the physical versus the spiritual. If you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, very familiar stuff. I know you're familiar with all these. Just It's a good review. Probably not teach anything new, just a good review. 2 Corinthians. I have the smallest Bible in the world. It is taking forever to go. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Okay, verse, uh, verse 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. We live in the world. We, we are in the physical world. But we don't wage war as the world does, not with physical stuff. The weapons we fight with, they're not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought why? Because in spiritual warfare, what you're thinking, your confidence is part of your... Before Paul tells anything about the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, sandals of gospel of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, before he mentions anything about the armor of God, he first talks about stand in the strength of his might. You gotta have confidence. It don't matter if you got a good sword. It don't matter if you have a good shield and a helmet. If you don't have the heart and the mind, my God's bigger. My God never loses a battle. It don't matter what you got, right? And so he says here, uh, there's all these different things going on, but we demolish arguments. It set itself against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and we make it obedient because that's where the devil wants to operate. See how... The Philistine was trying to get into the head. He wasn't trying. For 40 days, he got into the head of the Israeli army with intimidation. He was in their head. That wasn't physical. That was words being taken in. Now, David shows up. David has an advantage. He has not been drinking the Kool-Aid for 40 days. He hasn't been listening to that garbage. He heard it one time. He's like, I ain't standing for this. What lies, what intimidating things has this world been thrown at you? You've been listening to it too long and you're paralyzed. You're not moving with God. The confidence is low. Okay, that's all right. God understands. Jesus will come to you just like he did. Maybe you've messed up like Peter denying Jesus. Jesus will come to you and he'll he'll do a miracle. He'll do whatever he has to do like John 21 when the fish were caught again and Jesus reinstated Peter. You know, he's a gracious God. He's a good God. But his his battle, his battle weapons, it says they're not of this world, verse 4. They have divine power for demolition. Now, let me, give, let me give you how this works, okay? Go to Revelation 1. The reason the spiritual, his name and his word, prayer, worship, oh my goodness, I don't know how many times I've taken down darkness and, and fear through worship, 
prayer, victory shout. I'll I'll tell you right now, guys. You see, when I I move, when I worship, usually. And, you know, one of the Hebrew words for worship is tada. Let me see. I may be getting a mix. There's seven different Hebrew words for praise. And I can't remember which one it is right now. But one of them means to physically move with your body. You know, the old time Jews, they, they, they raised their hands and, and they moved. And I personally have found many times if I will just put some music on and I will dance like second Samuel six fourteen, I will dance before the Lord and worship. It'll break fear. Man, I feel the confidence starting to rise and the fire of the Holy Spirit start to rise. So the Lord has given us weapons that are mighty, you know, singing in your a bedroom when no one's around and dancing before the Lord, that seems like a silly way to have confidence and to fight the battles, but it's not. <laughs> I, I do it all the time. I probably do it every week. <laughs> I mean, I do it all the time to get confidence. You know, I, I, I don't know that I'm really naturally that confident. I have to rely on his confidence. And sometimes I, 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 I don't do it like I should. I'm not as faithful but I want you to go to Revelation chapter one and I want you to see why we can be confident. Let's look at, you know, when Jesus shows up, Jesus died, rose from the dead, right? Sends his disciples out. Well, basically all the disciples have been martyred. They're dead and gone. You know, Paul's been beheaded. Peter's probably was crucified upside down. James was beheaded. The apostle John, who sat right next to Jesus at the last supper, he's still alive. And you could think, now he's, he's marooned on the island of Patmos for preaching the gospel. You could probably think John might struggle with confidence. And he, like, where's Jesus been? Jesus, we saw him go up in the cloud. He sent his Holy Spirit, but John has not seen Jesus for maybe 25, or no, no, no. So this is 80, you know, he hasn't seen him for 50 years. John hasn't physically seen Jesus maybe for 50 years, unless he had a, a different vision that we don't know about. But Jesus is going to show up in Revelation 1 and build confidence in John. Now, let's look what he says to him. Look at verse, uh, Jesus shows up here. And I'll just start at verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, Revelation 1.1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by the sending of his angel to his servant, John. But when this angel shows up, what's he going to say? about Jesus. who t- Now, Jesus is going to show up here in a minute, a few verses later, and Jesus is going to talk directly to John in red letters. But this is the angel now, who testifies to everything he saw that is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, look at the spiritual um, markers, not what, you know, a bronze shield and a javelin and all the physical things. Notice what spiritually makes Jesus superior and one we can put our confidence in. Blessed is the one who reads the words of the prophecy. Blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart. Look at verse four. To the seven churches in the providence of Asia, grace and peace to you, watch this, from him who is and who was and who is to come. Here's the difference between uh, in in the in a natural battle, um, we would say you got a, a really old battleship versus a brand new, you know, right off, you know, all the new latest tech, GPS, and all those things. You wouldn't want to take a World War II battleship up against a, the latest Chinese battleship because the tech, the older isn't good, right? Um, bigger, uh, faster. That's what you because that's that's talking about weapons of this world. But in spiritual weapons, in spiritual realities, age 
is more important than size. Who has existed before the foundations of the earth? Who was, who is, who is to come? Three times in this passage, Jesus, either an angel or Jesus himself, declares he is eternal. He's going to say Alpha and Omega here in a little bit. He's going to, again, say who was and who is. Like, he makes a very strong point. Before time began, I am. It says in Ephesians 1 that Jesus is far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion in every name to be named. So Jesus, now look at verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, who was and who is. Look at verse 17. Now, I love verse 17. Now, just this verse alone shows us the difference between the physical and and the natural. When I saw him, I fell at his feet, though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me. Now, look what Jesus says. This is why Jesus, he never loses a battle. This is why David could have confidence. This is why you can have confidence because we're not confident in us, we're confident in Jesus. What makes him, he's, David wasn't bigger, but he had, on the spirit, he had relationship, a covenant relationship with Almighty God. And who's Almighty God? Well, he says right here, first and the last, he's eternal. The living one, he's alive, he was dead. He went toe to toe with Satan. He went toe-to-toe with death itself. And behold, he is alive forevermore. (laughs) He's eternal. He he won. And I hold the keys to death and Hades. That is authority. He took all authority over death and Hades. Ultimately, we know this, even in the natural. Even in the natural, you you can have a small boxer who's super quick who beats the bigger boxer. You can have a a small offensive lineman who knocks over a bigger defensive lineman. So we know that size doesn't always matter. But what this passage is saying is size doesn't matter. What really matters is authority, position. It says he is above. He is... And what ultimately matters, who has never lost a battle? Who's never, ever lost? You go through the Bible, go to Jehoshaphat, go to Hezekiah. When God's people turn to him, when God's people hold to him, it may not be easy. We were just reading the last chapter of the book of Judges and uh, all the tribes were coming against the tribe of Benjamin. In the first couple battles, they didn't do so well, but they won the war. When people turn to God and they trust God no matter what, the way that we can have confidence in God, it don't look at the physical, how big something is. Look at the spiritual. In the spirit, who wins? God wins. He always wins. And he's coming again. He's king of kings. He's Lord of lords. He sits on his throne. Now you go back through your life, get out a journal, get out a piece of paper and start writing all the battles that God's brought you through and all the battles that God's won. And if you have some things in your life where maybe you're upset at God, maybe you're mad at God, maybe you feel like God didn't win that battle, I want you to take Romans 8, 28 and I want you to pray and I want you to say just in faith, Lord, I believe Revelation 1, 17 and 18 that you never have lost a battle, that you are authoritative, that you are alive forevermore, and that you work all things for good, would you open my eyes to see how you have always brought about victory? You've always won. You've always brought victory. And watch your confidence grow. That's the encouragement today, beloved, is to have confidence and to stand in the strength of his might because the Lord has never lost a battle. And don't look at the, don't look at the physical. 
Look at the spiritual who is on your side. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we love you. We know that you are eternal. We know that you never lose. We know that even in the book of Revelation, the really reason it was written was because a lot of Roman empire and a lot of darkness was coming and you were trying to show them, yes, but Jesus always wins in the end. And it says in Revelation at the end, he sits on the throne and he makes all things new. Thank you, Jesus, that you sit on the throne and you make, I think that's Revelation 21, three through five, you make all things new every time. Thank you, Lord. We love you. Bless every listener today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Have an awesome week, beloved. I want to be on the frequency of heaven. I want